Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. We've been, uh, for a while now, making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And today, uh, we are going to be in verses 5 to 15 of chapter 6, talking about the Lord's Prayer. So, uh, chapter 5, uh, hopefully you, you felt the crushing weight of the law, but also uh, just the balm of the gospel uh, that, that shows us that even though we don't measure up, that, that there is one who does. Uh, and as we've been called to put our faith uh, in him and to trust him for our righteousness. Now, as we get into Matthew chapter six, Matthew's going to get into some more kind of practical instructions uh, in life, uh, doing things and not doing other things and, uh, you know, th that sort of thing. And, and what we want to avoid in this is sending you away from here just with a backpack full of rocks that says, you know, do these things that, that ultimately you're not going to do <laughs> or that you're going to fail at, right? Um, you know, James, cool to hear you talk about, you know, gratitude, but like there's going to come a day when you're not going to be grateful, right? You're going to have, you know, rough, rough days here and there. And, you know, like you can feel the guilt of like, well, I wasn't grateful today like I was supposed to be. And, you know, we don't want those things to weigh us down. We want to turn to Christ uh, in those moments when we fail, knowing uh, that he's there for us when we don't measure up. And so... So kind of the, 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 uh, the gears are shifting a bit as we move into chapter six in that way. And so uh, today, the Lord's Prayer, um, probably a passage familiar maybe to some of you who have, have read through the gospel of Matthew before, but it starts out like this in verse five. It says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees all in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So as we look at this, I, I, I don't think what Jesus is giving us here is necessarily a formula for prayer. I don't think what Jesus is saying is that if you do it this way every time, then you'll get the results that you want. He's not giving us a formula as much as I think what he's giving us is more of a posture of prayer. And that's what I want to unpack for us today uh, is this posture of prayer. And so he starts off by saying, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. In other words, when you pray, you must not be like the people who say one thing and do another. And he gives us an example of what that is. It says that these hypocrites that he's calling out, that they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Jesus talking about the Pharisees of his day who were doing what they were doing more for show than for anything else, right? So that they could be seen by others. And Jesus says, if that's you, 
then truly you have received your reward. Or the Pharisees of his day, they've received their reward in their praying for a show, praying more on a, on a vertical or a horizontal level than a vertical trajectory. And then he gives some instruction. It says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Now, I don't know if Jesus is saying that every time we pray that we have to go into our bedroom and shut the door and pray in secret, right? We, we've prayed here today publicly, right? I don't think Jesus would be displeased with what we do here on a week-to-week basis. Um, I don't think Jesus would be displeased when, you know, you pray for your meal you know, at a restaurant or at your home. Uh, I don't think Jesus would be displeased if you run into a brother or sister out in public and they're having a rough day and you say, hey, can I pray for you? I don't, I don't think he's going to say, well, you didn't go into your bedroom and do this in secret, therefore that was bad. I don't think he's saying that at all. But he's countering these hypocrites, the, the pharisaical types who pray just for show and just to be seen, right? He's reminding us that God knows what we need before we even ask Right? We, we're, we're not, we don't pray to God and tell him anything that's surprising to him. Right? When we pray, God, like today, God doesn't say, oh, I, I didn't know there were families that didn't have people that come to church. Right? God, God knows that. Right? It doesn't stop us from praying for those kinds of things. Right? God, God knows about the, the trip to Alaska. God knows about the family gatherings. Like God knows all those things. Right? So, so we're not giving God new revelation when we pray. We're not making God aware of things that he wasn't previously aware of when we pray. And so Jesus is unpacking for us here this posture of prayer, kind of contrasting the, the disingenuous prayer of the hypocrites who pray not necessarily for God to hear them, but more to be seen by people. And he's telling us that the prayer that, that God sees is not for show. That the prayer that God hears has little to do with what you say or the words that you use. Right? He talks about not heaping up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. So some of the best prayers are the ones that you that you stumble through and you just don't even know what to say. Right? Sometimes I think maybe for us pastors, we stand up here and pray and maybe we seem a little bit polished because we do this often, but, but God doesn't hear those prayers any more than the prayers that you're just struggling to figure out how to even pray. Sometimes when I don't know what to pray, I, I just say, God help. Like I have a particular situation in mind and, and I got lots of good ideas about how things ought to be, but, but God doesn't necessarily need to hear my ideas about how things ought to be. Sometimes the prayer is just help. I don't even know what else to say, but help. Sometimes the prayer, uh, I read a lot of news. I've shared that with you guys before. I'm in the headlines all the time, and it's easy to get discouraged about what's going on in the world with the headlines. And sometimes the prayer is just, God, have mercy. (laughs) Have mercy on us. Help. Like We don't need to heap up fancy phrases or say there's no formula to if you pray just the right way that God's going to hear or that you're going to get an expected result. And so he tells us, pray in secret to your father who is in secret. And and again, I don't think he's forbidding public prayer at all, but, but this is more again about the posture of one's heart in prayer.
You don't have to use fancy phrases or many words. Verse 80 says, don't be like that. Don't be like the hypocrites. For your father knows what you need even before you ask him. And so for me, my analytical mind, I think, well, why even ask? For any, if God already knows, why ask? Why, why pray if God knows already? Okay, can I just cut that out of my life and, and just trust that God's going to know what I need? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to carry on a relationship with somebody that you never talked to? Kind of difficult, isn't it? And so prayer, sometimes I, I think we kind of have our perceptions about what prayer is, and prayer is not just about asking God for things. Something I've wrestled with in my own life is like, how much of my prayers are just are asking God to do things for me? Right? Think about if you had somebody in your life, like all they ever do is just ask you, hey, can you do this for me? Hey, will you do this? Can you give me this? Can you help me with that? Again, not, not much of a relationship there, right? And so sometimes the, the prayer uh, is not necessarily asking God, do this for me or fix this or change this. Sometimes that's the prayer, but, but not always. He, he knows what I need. And so sometimes rather than asking, for example, God, would you provide for me? Sometimes the prayer is, thank you for what you have provided. Right? There, there's a difference there. You know, the gratitude thing that James talked about. So he says, don't, don't be like the people that pray just purely on a horizontal level, but be like the people that pray with a vertical trajectory, understanding uh, who God is. And as we get into verse nine, he unpacks that for us. He says, pray like this. So don't, don't pray like the hypocrites do just to be seen. Don't pray in a way that you heap up empty words. Pray in a way that you know that God already knows your needs before you ask him. And in verse 9, he says, pray like this. And this is, this is where the real posturing, I think, begins in, in what Matthew was trying to convey to us here. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven... Does that mean that we have to start every prayer by saying our Father in heaven? I don't think so. But I think it's important that we understand as we engage in prayer who we're praying to. God is our Father. There's many descriptors of God throughout Scripture. But Jesus tells us when we pray that we pray to our Father. He doesn't tell us to, to pray to the judge. right? He says pray to our Father. And so when we come to God in prayer, we need to remember first and foremost that we're praying to our good Father. And that, that postures the way that you pray, knowing that you're asking things um, or speaking of things with your Father. Our Father, not an earthly Father, but our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, holy and we're not, it's important that we understand, we're not making God holy by saying, hallowed be your name, as much as that we're acknowledging God's holiness in that statement. Acknowledging a truth about God uh, that is not dependent upon us. It's kind of like when we talk about um, glorifying God, right, right? We don't make God any more or less glorious by what we do or what we don't do. God is infinitely glorious and we recognize that and we acknowledge it and we hopefully to some extent reflect it in our lives in the way that we live, right? Maybe we reflect the glory of God by what we do or what we don't do. It's the same kind of idea in the hallowing of God's name. We don't, we don't make him any more holy 
by acknowledging his holiness. We're, we're acknowledging a pre-existing truth that, that we have a father, a good father who is in heaven and he's holy. And that's who we pray to. And so just understanding that little bit right there, how, how does that inform the things that you pray? Understanding our father is good. He's in heaven. He's perfectly holy. And then he says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think for me, a lot of my prayers are about my kingdom and about my will. Again, I got a lot of good ideas, right? I give my ideas to God a lot, right? God do this, change this, fix that, right? But our prayers, according to Jesus here in the gospel of Matthew, are about the coming of God's kingdom and about the accomplishment of God's will. And again, I don't, I don't think our prayers necessarily, um, like God's will is going to happen. Whether I pray according to my will or his will, God, God, God's going to have his way no matter what, right? But, but this, again, is about a posturing in prayer of acknowledging that there's a kingdom that's greater than me. As great as I think that my kingdom is, and as hard as I work to build my kingdom, there's a kingdom that's greater. And at the end of the day, like my kingdom's not going to last. My kingdom's going to end. But there's going to be a kingdom that will reign eternal, and it's the kingdom of God. And so in this phrase, your kingdom come, again, it's a posturing of acknowledging God's kingdom. Sometimes my prayers these days as I'm surfing the headlines are, are exactly that. Like, God, your kingdom come. Like, when? <laughs> How soon? When, when, when is this going go to come to an end here on this earth? There's a lot of ways that, like, our trajectory is not good right now as a world. And sometimes the prayer is just come quickly, Lord. <laughs> the, the, the realization, the full realization of God's kingdom cannot come soon enough. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an implication in this statement that, that God has a will in heaven that's done. And acknowledging that he has a will in heaven that's done, that we can also say that please, let's see that will come to pass on this earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. How many of us have prayed to win the lottery or things like that? How many of us have prayed for larger bank accounts and larger retirement funds? We're told here to pray to take care of us for today. Take care of us for you. There's a passage coming up in a couple of weeks about tomorrow and how tomorrow has its own troubles. Worry about today, today, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, right? We're told that. And so give us this day, our daily bread. Is Jesus saying that it's wrong to, to save and to have retirement? I don't think so. I don't think he's saying it's wrong for that. But I think we can take it to a sinful level when you know, the focus of our prayers is tomorrow, tomorrow, next year, next week, next month, whatever it is, that takes away from our trusting of God today in what he's providing for us. Some of you still go to work every day. Some of you are retired, but, but we all have provisions coming in, right? We, we all have an income of some sort. And I think the Bible would teach us that 
whatever name is on the top of your paycheck, it's ultimately God who's your provider. It's ultimately God who provides for you. Not you and your hard work, not, not the great company that you work for or the lousy company that you work for, depending on your perspective. <laughs> right? It's God who provides for us and, and we're taught to pray by Jesus that, that we wouldn't ask for large bank accounts necessarily or large retirement funds. And again, I don't, I don't think it's sinful to have those things in and of themselves. But the prayer is to give us today what we need for today. Trusting in God. Right? I don't know about you, but, but for me, the larger the bank account or the larger the retirement account, the less I trust in God at the end of the day. When I have enough for myself, when I've amassed enough for myself, and with this caveat, like you never amass enough, right? We have this insatiable appetite. Like how much money is enough? Just a little bit more. How much is enough to retire on? Just a little bit more, right? We, we never satisfy that appetite. But, but the bigger and the more of those things that I have, and probably I'm guessing true for you, the, the bigger the bank accounts, the more of those things that you have, the more difficult it is for us to trust in God because, you know, we, we can do it. We can handle it. And so we're reminded here uh, of this daily trust in God for our provision. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. There's a big statement there, and Jesus is going to end this section with more on that, so we'll come back to that one in a moment. Then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so realizing our propensity for sinfulness, realizing our propensity uh, to lose the battle when it comes down to it. I, I know about me that if I put myself in a position to be tempted with, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Some days I might have some fight in me, but other days I might not have a lot of fight in me. And, and I know, I know about me that I can lose battles to temptation. I can and probably more often than I even realize, but, but I know that I can lose battles. And so again, a prayer of faith, trusting God in our temptation, trusting that it's him who will deliver us from evil. So again, I don't, I don't think God is giving us necessarily a formula here as much as a posturing of our hearts, a posturing of our minds as we approach prayer. When we understand these things, as the way that we've talked about them, then it changes the way that we pray. It changes the way that we pray. And then he comes to the end of this section and seemingly takes kind of a left turn here, like he's talking to us about prayer. And then, and then he throws in kind of this jab at the end in verse 14 that says that if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. <laughs> this is one of those things like, I was kind of cool with everything up to this point. And then these last couple of verses, like, why you got to go there, Jesus? Why you got to throw this in? Because now we, we have to wrestle with this. And what does this have to do with prayer? What, what does forgiveness have to do with prayer? And, and I want to try to connect some dots here. So what, what is prayer at the end of the day? Prayer at, at its simplest form is a coming to God in faith. 
whether you're asking for something, whether you're just acknowledging things about who God is and what he's done, uh, whatever it is, like prayer is an act of faith. I was doing a project yesterday and um, I had to text my neighbor to see if I could borrow a tool that I didn't have. And I did that because I knew that he would let me borrow it. Like I had faith in my neighbor that if I said, hey, can I borrow this tool for you know a half hour? He would say yes. And that's what happened, right? Uh, stupid analogy maybe, but like I had faith in my neighbor that he was going to come through, right? When we go to God in prayer, like we have some some level of faith in order to ask God for anything. It requires some level of faith. It requires some level of faith even to talk to God to acknowledge that he exists. I, I often wonder um, for people who don't believe in the existence of God or a God or any kind of deity or higher being or whatever, like what do those people do? I, I have this inner monologue in my head most days where like I'm, I pray for things just kind of as I go. And I often think about like people that don't have a belief in God, like what do they do? What do they do when life gets hard? Where, where do they go uh, when they need to seek wisdom on things? Where, where do they, who, who are they thankful to, right? So prayer at its most basic level is an act of faith in acknowledging first and foremost that God exists, acknowledging that he knows more than we know, acknowledging that he can do more than we can do, Otherwise, why, why would we go to him, right? So prayer is an act of faith. And I think where the dots connect here with these last couple of verses about forgiveness is that forgiveness is also an act of faith. I've been thinking about this a lot lately for me. Like what is, what is forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive? Oftentimes we think about forgiveness as saying something that's not okay is okay. That's not forgiveness. Oftentimes we think about forgiveness as just letting something go, kind of maybe pretending that it didn't happen. That, that's not forgiveness. Oftentimes we think about forgiveness as saying, well, I'm, I'm good with this thing, whatever it is. That, that's, not, that's not forgiveness. At the end of the day, our Bible tells us that vengeance ultimately belongs to God and that the fate of every human being is redemption or damnation, one of the two. And so as we think about forgiveness in this life, whatever wrong somebody has committed against you, our ability to forgive is not, again, saying something that's not okay is okay or anything like that, but it's looking to God, saying that God is going to take care of this in the end, one way or the other, right? That's what forgiveness is, an act of faith in God. Jesus starts out this section about prayer, talking about the hypocrites who pray just to be seen. They pray to put on a show. They pray in order to get praise from other people. And Jesus says, no, like that's not the way to pray. Those people are hypocrites. You and I can pray like that and it doesn't require any faith whatsoever. It requires zero faith. It requires zero acknowledgement that God exists and that he's bigger than me and that he can do more than me and that he knows more than me. We, we can pray like the hypocrites do in a way that, that doesn't acknowledge anything about who God is that we know to be true. And we can do that. That's why Jesus says, don't, don't do that. So he starts off this section talking about the hypocritical people who pray in a way that demands no faith of them whatsoever. 
It, it demands faith when we pray to say, God, give me what I need today. That, that, that requires faith to pray that prayer. It requires faith to pray the prayer of help me to forgive others as I've been forgiven. That requires faith, right? And so he starts off talking about the hypocrites and then he gets to the end of this section. And for the person who is unforgiving in their life, and I'm not talking about struggling with forgiveness, like that's real and that's legit. And we like forgiveness sometimes is hard. There's an allowance for a struggle there. So, so I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the person, and I think Jesus is talking about the person here who just is unwilling to even consider forgiveness. It's disingenuous, again, to pray these things, to, to reap the benefits of faith in God, to reap the benefits of what Christ has done for you, namely that he's forgiven you of your sins. And then to look at somebody on a horizontal level and say, nope, not going to forgive them, not going to consider it. There's a, disingenu a disingenuousness there in the person who says, give it to me, but I'm not going to give it out. I'll take it, but I'm not going to give it. And so think about that person and how they might pray, how they might go to God and say, God, I want you to do these things for me. Change this about my life, fix this, grow my bank account, grow my retirement, help me to pay off my house, help me to have satisfaction in my career, whatever. Thank you even for forgiving my sins, but, but I'm going to hold a grudge over here and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to walk in unforgiveness about somebody or, or people who have wronged me in my life. That, that's disingenuous. And at the end of the day, not, not only is it disingenuous, it's a lack of faith in who God is. It's a lack of faith in what he's done for us. And so Jesus is challenging us, again, with, with a posture, not a formula, but a posture of prayer. And a big part of that posture is not looking to God as your genie in a bottle, Right? If, if, I, if I rub the lamp just the right way, I'm going to get my wishes, like not looking at God that way. But looking at God as, as sovereign over all things, meaning like he, he knows everything, he sees everything, he hears everything, he controls everything, he orders everything, everywhere, all of the time. That's, that's what it means when we say that, that God is sovereign. I think it was Abraham Kuyper that said something to the effect, that there, there's not a, even a rogue molecule in all of creation that does anything outside of, of God's watch. So if we believe God to be sovereign, that even affects the way that we pray, right? If we believe that God controls and orders everything everywhere all of the time, it affects the way that we pray. But this piece about forgiveness, I, I don't think it's a hard left turn. I don't think it's like, okay, here's, here's your posture of prayer. And oh, by the way, this too, it's not that. R realizing our wretchedness, realizing our sinfulness, realizing our depravity, realizing our propensity for sin affects the way that we pray. And when, when we realize the, the wretch that we are, what comes along with that, like that's the bad news, but the good news is that, that God has forgiven us of our wretchedness, right? For those of us who have come to him and trusted him in faith, he's forgiven us of our wretchedness. 
And he's given to us in place of that wretchedness, his righteousness, right? That's, that's the truth of the gospel. And when we understand that and when we know it and when we believe it to be true, how can we not consider forgiveness of those who have wronged us? And again, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that there's never a struggle. There can be. Oftentimes there is. But how can we not consider it? And how can we not pray to God, help me to forgive as I've been forgiven? How can we not pray that? So again, not, not a hard left turn here at the end. Jesus is zeroing in on something that, that the more that we understand gospel truthfulness, it affects the way that we pray and it affects the things that we pray for. And so I would ask you today to consider, consider your posture in prayer. Consider the things that you pray for, how you pray, when you pray. Is, is prayer something that it's just kind of like something that you do in passing? Is it something that you dedicate time for? Are there times you know, to go into the bedroom and shut the door and pray in secret? Sure. You know, go on a walk, go on a hike, take a drive. There's times for those kinds of things. Are there times that we pray corporately together in public? Absolutely. We'll continue to do that. What kind of things do we pray for? How do you pray to a sovereign God? How do you pray to the God that knows everything? Like, I'm not going to tell him anything new. I'm not going to give him an idea that he hasn't thought of. I'm not going to put something in the suggestion box where he says, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> how, how do you pray to a sovereign God? And it's probably, probably not, you know, me giving him my ideas for how to run the world better, which I do a lot. Probably you do too. <laughs> and so consider your posture in prayer, acknowledging who God is, acknowledging what he does. Even for me, a practice I've instituted in my own life is that, that you know, I got to do something like that when I start just my own private prayer. I don't want to jump right into like, hey, God, do these things for me. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad necessarily, but just for me, my conviction is that, you know, when I pray, I want to acknowledge the good things that God has done in my life. Show some gratitude, some thankfulness for what he's done. Acknowledge those kinds of things before I get into saying, here's what I want you to do for me. Right? So consider today your, your posture in prayer. Consider Jesus' words, again, not as a formula, but as a posture that when we pray, that we acknowledge God and who he is and what he's done, that, that we consider our own depravity, which keeps us humble in our prayers. Right? How many times do we pray that God would smite our enemies? I've prayed that prayer. Right? I've prayed for fire to rain down right, on, on people that have wronged me. Right? When, when we realize, again, the wretch that we are and the forgiveness that's extended to us in Christ, it, it changes those kinds of prayers too. And so be challenged today with your posture in prayer, your own depravity, God's grace and his forgiveness in your life, and let that inform how you pray. Father, we're grateful this morning. Grateful that, um, that you contend with wretches like us. Grateful that you... Um, that you love us, that you care for us, grateful that you do anything for us at all. God, we're thankful for the ways that you provide for us. We're thankful that we live in a place where uh, we can gather together like we do week in and week out and publicly declare uh, your goodness and encourage one another. 
God, we're thankful uh, that you uh, have not um, shoved us aside as a sinful people, but that you have gone to great lengths to show your love for us, that you've gone to great lengths to be merciful to us, that you go to great lengths to continue to be gracious to us. And so God, help us uh, to understand more and more uh, as time goes on these gospel truths and help us as we pray uh, to be people um, that come to you with humility, that come to you with a posture that acknowledges who you are and what you've done for us and uh, teach us, God, teach us how to pray. Teach us the things that we ought to pray for. Uh, teach us the things that, that maybe we ought not pray for in certain times. Um, but God, teach us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.